This is uh, Daniel, a.k.a. Arshetekun, here at uh, Y, Indigenous Words and Ideas podcast. And today I have a special, just say, co-host, Maui Tavahiako, Tevita Kaili, coming at us from uh, Kahuku in Hawaii. And I'll, I'll let you introduce yourself and, and then we'll get into it. Siotofa, Malo Apito, Daniel, for inviting me to your very popular podcast, Y. Uh, words and ideas. I've been following and a big fan. You know, I've always been interested in demystifying knowledge, making knowledge accessible to people. So wonderful for uh, that you're doing that work. So just a little bit of back, about my background. I'm born in, in Tonga and raised both in Tonga and um, Salt Lake City, Utah, and also West Valley City, Utah. Lived with my parents and my parents live in Tonga, my grandparents in, in Utah. So I went back and forth, very transnational. Grew up bilingual and, you know, after school decided that I wanted to go and study different topics. Uh, I first studied accounting because that was my father's uh, profession and went down that route. Worked as an accountant for a while, then went back and studied psychology and uh, then work as a clinical psychologist or assistant a clinical psychologist for a while and then went back and studied social work and then i uh, got a master in social work and then during social work i became interested in issue of culture i think something was always interested to me and i went back to school and uh, study anthropology culture anthropology and then so i have a master and a doctorate in culture anthropology and then since then i've been here at BYU hawaii uh, teaching here i teach uh, mainly cultural anthropology. And uh, currently, uh, I'm a professor of anthropology. And then also, I'm the dean of the Faculty of Culture, Language, and Performing Arts, which has, you know, anthropology, history, humanities, music, theater, intercultural, and, you know, there are other, other disciplines, like Hawaiian studies, Pacific Island studies, they're, they're all under, under me. So that's just a little short uh, uh, about me uh, in Tonga. I'm, I'm, our family is originally from different parts of Tonga. My dad is uh, from uh, originally from um, Maofanga, but also from Kolonga, and um, Pangai Hapai, and Fakakai, and Haano. And my mom's mainly from Bavao, from Neyafu, Tuanuku, and Koloa. So um, that's my sort of short of my genealogy, but I also have Fijian blood through my, my mom's side, going all the way to Lao and then. Taveuni in uh, in Fiji. So hopefully that was a, a little short uh, introduction to, to oh, yeah, me yeah. and my uh, and my work. Yeah, for people of the Moana, that's a short one, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very very short one. <laughs> oh, nice. Uh, thank thank you for sharing your time and and your knowledge. For the first part, we wanted to just kind of get into Tavaism and the Tava theory, but if you could maybe just introduce a little bit about it and, and the background. So I, I was, uh, this was uh, 2000, I was working on my uh, doctorate at University of Washington in Seattle. And at the time, I was really looking for, for an indigenous theory. I didn't want to just go and study uh, a Tongan topic using theories from, from the West. And so that was what was uh, sort of kind of, you know, I was, I was taking theory courses, and I was wondering, oh, what, when, when are we going to learn an indigenous theory? And I, we, I didn't get it at all. So I was at Ute, University of Utah. They had the Tonga History Association Conference there. And this was uh, 2001. Presented a paper. And my, my paper was on Tauhiva'a, or Tauhiva, uh, re, as a researcher. And uh, during that presentation, I came across Okustil Mahina. And he was talking about this Tava and Faiva concept and I was like wow what is this 
So, you know, I, I went back to University of Washington. So I started corresponding with uh, Augustino and we started to talk. And that's when I first became uh, aware of the idea of, of Daima. Now, while at Washington, I was already interested in the issue of space and place. My, my mentor, uh, Professor Miriam Khan, she studied uh, in Tahiti. She was already, she was working on the issue of space. So I was very much interested in the issue of space. So when Augustino Mahina Hufanga you know, was talking about this issue, you know, there are a particular way that we think about time and space and arrange time and space. And he called it Daba. I was like, okay, this is something I got to really dig into and, and get deep into this. So that's how I became interested in, in the topic. And, and basically, uh, you know, at that time, I knew that concept of time and space or ta and va in, in the way that it's translated in Tongan is that different cultures have their own notion, their own way of thinking about it. I, I know you've talked about it in, in your podcast, uh, thinking about it in Mayan. And so I, I knew that this was uh, one area to sort of kind of think about this particular topic. And basically the, the idea is the fundamental idea of ta and va is that ta and va Da meaning uh, sort of an expression of, of time through beating and rhythm and vibration. Um, and va is a space or a relational space or space between. Is that the fundamental dimension of reality is, is based on time and space or da and va. And that is an important aspect to, to sort of think about. And, you know, this idea has been going around for a while. You know, Albert Einstein has been thinking about this and some of the other physicists. So it was good to kind of bring it and, and think about it from um, an, an indigenous po uh, point of view. And just to think about how we in Tonga would think about these concepts of, of time and space. And Daedma, I would say, is one way of like expressing time, time and space or Daedma. And, and the translation is not equivalent um, because you can see there's slippage when you translate it from da to time and va to space. There, there's some slippage there that's not completely equivalent, but you know, that's how theory works and that's how people are working, especially trying to work cross-culturally in, in trying to translate and stuff. So maybe I'll start with that and, and okay. maybe we can get, yeah. continue on. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, and I, and I like that you bring that up because I feel like that's why it resonated with me as well. Like a you know, I come from a, a culture also obsessed with time and, and space. And, and again, thinking about theory as just different interpretive lenses to mm. how we understand any particular phenomenon. But in this case, thinking about time and space, I like that it's not a literal time and space because for me, that speaks to another element of the theory, which is something that we actually ran into one time with the, the project, right? Where I think it was a, a paper that we were writing with some colleagues and one of the critiques in, in the rejection of the paper was that we were being too poetic and not analytical enough, if I recall. Mm. And yeah. one, I thought, personally, I don't consider, I don't know, it was a low bar for poetry, I felt. But, <laughs> <laughs> but in the case of <laughs> academia, they saw it as too poetic. And I think when I think about ta, like you said, it doesn't literally mean time, but as a beat or a rhythm, I kept thinking about it as a heliaki or as a metaphor of time mm. because it was the concept of time maybe didn't exist in the same way, but rather it was a, at least the way I've used it in my work is uh, I've interpreted both your and, and, and um, Fanga's work as thinking about a temporal mindfulness because if you think about it in sense of rhythm, it's not necessarily the concept of time, but 
how do we fit in a particular rhythm or are we out of rhythm? But that's thinking about it in metaphorical terms. So I like that. And I don't know what your thoughts yeah. are on that, but yeah, maybe what your thoughts are on that. And then again, with, with Vav not necessarily being the concept of space in the same way, but as a metaphor of space as being the point in between, which then means that there's a, it's a different way of thinking about it rather than kind of spatial, I guess, terms is more connective terms. What is it that connects us? I guess those are the ways that I, I, I've thought about it as I've read the work. And I don't know, maybe I'm a neo-Tavaist or something. I'm not sure. <laughs> but that's just kind of, I don't know what your thoughts are. Uh, yes, definitely you're a neo-Tavaist. And then we'll come back and talk <laughs> about that. But I, I, would have, I would say that, uh, that, that w- this is what happens when you uh, begin to, to, to create uh, a particular theory and, and then try to articulate it within the, within the language of, of academia that there will always be that sort of kind of metaphoric aspect to it because they don't always translate. And we're working with language here. Um, and, and of course, language will always have multiple uh, meaning to, to it. I, I think one of the, the specific idea of Ta'adva is that, you know, there, there's sort of an ontological aspect that, that, that it really exists out, out there and that each culture has their own way of sort of configuring or uh, arranging it and, and and so you know by 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 thinking of it in that way i think tava is trying to sort of kind of deal with both the realism and also this kind of the idealism to deal with both the modernism and also the postmodernist view of of reality you know which has been a long huge debate in 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 academia and then for you for for, for some of the listener who who not aware of this you know there's this big debate within academia for a long time whether you know does reality exist outside of our mind or is this just in our mind and then um is it is it independent of the mind and so forth you know long philosophical discussion that's been been sort of kind of going on but the, you know the idea that you know that think of Ta as like a rhythm and then, and then think of Va as like spatial connection or a way that space uh, connects us. I think that's much more closer to the sort of the Tongan way of thinking about it. So, so you're ex- exactly right about that. And, 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 I, and, and it's also very useful to kind of think about it that way, to think about that, you know, multiple cultures and, and, and people from different places may have their own different rhythm. You know, and, and, and do we need to synchronize with these rhythm and so forth, right? And, and, then, and then also uh, how, do, how do the space connects uh, people or even separate them um, in that sense, yeah. You know, before we get into the, the evolution of it, like what is some yeah, of yeah. the, I guess, because this is part of some of the critiques that I observe as well, which I thought would be a good opportunity to yes. address is, you know, and this is stuff I've seen online and, and you know, things we've talked about yeah, as yeah. well. But, you know, on one hand, it's, it's like you say, we're, we're dealing with Tongan philosophy and language. And on the other hand, we're dealing with academic language, which has its own culture and language history that, that dominates there. Um, but then also the different ideas that are influencing the construction of this. Because I imagine... Like when I watched uh, Paul Janman's uh, documentary, uh, Tongan Arc, and I was listening to Futa Helu talk about uh, time and space and, and how, how rhythm gives form, it, was, it seemed very reminiscent and similar. And I wondered if that was some of the influences of origins, but then also knowing that he had teachers who taught him in Australian realism as well. And so like, obviously, everyone's kind of 
doing different things with it and taking it to a different place. But I've, I've heard that those are some of the critiques as well. Like, is it a Tongan theory because it's engaged with Australian realism? Or I don't know what your thought or what you've come across as well. I'm sure you've had your share of things that you've come across. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, I always see, a, I, this is my, my personal take of Tava, that Tava is, is, is a, uh, a syncretism, a hybridity of sort of like elements from both Tongan culture and also Western philosophy, because definitely Futahelu and his student Hufanga were very much influenced by Greek philosophy, especially the uh, John Anderson's realism. So that strain, that particular part of their whakapapa or their genealogy is there. And you can see that manifesting in the theory. But they were also, you know, while, while they were in Adenisi, they, 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 they brought a lot of the Tongan, you know, cultural specialists of Tongan Punake to Adenisi. And they were learning from them. Um, about faiva, about rhythm, about beat. So that element is also there in, in the theory. So uh, what, what I see is sort of a combination of both in, in the creation of, of, of Dava. And this is where the, the big critique is, is that people say, well, we, we, don't have, we don't even have a, we never see people think of the word Dava. It does, doesn't exist in our language. They exist, but they exist separately. So da 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 or da na fa, and then ma would be, you know, it, all of its own, which is, you know, tau hi ba or ba ma mao. But to put them together, you know, we don't see them often in the language. And the way I see that is that, well, but that's how theory works, right? I mean, people, people put words together and they create theory. Like, you know, people come up with words like postmodern. Not nobody in everyday life use those kind of words. Right? Um, so they, the way the theory works is that you, you take uh, everyday lay words and then you, you put them together in the way that you construct it in, in academia. So maybe in that way, you could say that that's not uh, Tongan, but that's definitely how academia works as far as putting together uh, creating a, a, a theory. And I, I like to think of it as more as that the Tava is an indigenous base, a Tongan based theory. Yeah, because it, it is based on these two concepts of Ta and Ma that are very deep in Tongan um, philosophy and Tongan idea. But then you also have those other elements that are, are there to influence from, from, from the West. And um, if it's going to be a theory in academia and academia coming from the West, definitely that's, that's probably going to happen um, anyways. Yeah. Yeah. No, and, and I, I'm glad you bring it up because that's the thing that, you know, uh, I think about a lot as well because I, the theory that I like to look at also in addition, right, is a lot with um, a lot of stuff that's come out of Latin America and coloniality. Mm. And it's made me kind of be very critical of the assumptions of what it means when we say West or Western as well as if these are exactly. these pure categories, like, yes, we use them. And so they, they, they represent something in our society, but it's not as if this Western construct did, doesn't appropriate and, and, you know, indigenous knowledge into its own. And so, it, you know, it, the idea that where these pure, these separate pure categories can be very difficult, right? Where I understand why we use it. I use it, but um, I like the yeah. way you brought it up. It's like, you know, it, you know, indigenous theory is engaging with, West, Western theory and Western theory has appropriated a lot of indigenous knowledge first beginning with ancient European and then with the colonial projects in the Americas yeah. Pacific. I mean Maslow's triangle in psychology yeah. I believe was an appropriation of Blackfoot knowledge mm -hmm. and there's also paleontology you know and, and even Darwin nobody 
ever credits the American Indian scouts that were showing them where to find fossils, right? And, and then stories of deep time. And so I think, yes, I, I like the way you bring it up. Like it's just, it's about, you know, what is it that makes it indigenous? What is it that makes it Western? And I think part of that is the politics of knowledge as to thinking about power and who is the ones that get to dictate, right? Is it the reconfigured knowledge or is it those who live the knowledge? And I think in what you said, you know, like that's critiques I've heard as well, right? Tava isn't an everyday speech. And I think part of what the theory does is it, it, it creates a language for what we take for granted, right? Because people don't think about it that way because it's, you know, if you're Tongan and you live, you know, those elements of the Tongan worldview, you don't have to talk about it in that way. But now that we live in this world that has been subject to, you know, stuff we'll talk about later, like globalization, ecological yeah. impacts and colonization, we've been forced to interact with the world in different kinds of ways. And it becomes important to find a language to talk about stuff, I think, even if we never needed it before, right? So part of theory in my mind, or indigenous yeah. theory, is finding language to express indigenous ideas or ideas that have been marginalized by colonization globally. But I don't know, that's just kind of how I think about it. So I like the way you framed it um, in yeah. that. And, and then, you know, coming to all the discipline uh, within um, academia uh, have taken knowledge from, from indigenous people. And anthropology, you know, our discipline, Ooh, I mean, the whole discipline <laughs> from the very beginning is, I mean, yeah. all their, their, you know, their main concepts are all based on, on indigenous ideas, yeah? And so I think, you know, indigenous people coming into the discipline and using uh, those particular knowledge, which is kind of reclaiming, you know, we're, we're reclaiming yeah. these knowledges that were, were sort of uh, appropriated from, from, from us uh, over, over many years. And, and so now we're in the academy and we're, 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 we're doing something new with, with, uh, with, with what's happening in, in, in the academy. And, and for me, I think it's it's good that this is taking anthropology to a, to another level, or you know, if you think of it of other discipline, that we're creating particular um, theory, uh, you know, as people or indigenous people. Like some people say, oh, Demita uh, and Hufanga, you guys are contaminated because you've gone to university, so your theory doesn't count. So it's not a Tongan theory, and I find that to be, you know, wow. You know, so so all the theories, uh, ideas are, are only Tongan if it's coming from people who have never been to academia. Because once you go to academia, then then you're somehow sort of polluted, and 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 you know, I've 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 heard that kind of critique coming from a lot of other scholars, who who said that oh, this is not a Tongan theory, even though you are two Tongan scholars, but you still don't. It's not Tongan because you know, it, you're now in academia and, and that makes it problematic. And, and I just find that to be, wow, you know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, and it's a good point, right? Because that's the thing that, I mean, for me, I'm fascinated in identity. That's, you know, part of my yeah. realm. And, and you're right, like, you know, identity is, is complicated because even though, you know, what is it that makes it that, like, what is it that makes it Tongan? And I think about this with me too. Yeah. Like, what is it, I talk about Maya stuff, but I've learned that I have to then be like very specific of giving my genealogy of what kind of Mayan I am. Mm. You know, one who is descended from Highland Maya tribes, but grew up on the west side of Salt Lake City in Rose Park with Tongans, who, mm. you know, is learning my Maya language, but grew up speaking both English and Spanish. I probably speak more Tongan than I do Quiche, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, exactly. but, but it doesn't mean that, I, you know, what I do isn't Mayan, but I always have to locate it. What is it that makes it Mayan? What is it that connects to that? 
Yeah. And then thinking about Tongans as well, what is it that makes the Tongan? Like Tongan is very, you know, it could be very big or it'd be very small depending on how mm. we conceptualize it. And so maybe it's a good opportunity. Maybe you can share a little bit because I feel like the Tavaists are the ones that, at least in my understanding, we should credit for in the introduction of thinking about Moana, which again is specific to a particular group of people. It's not everybody's working yeah. in the ocean, but it's about like taking a Beli Haofa's idea, I think, and of Oceania and then taking it a step further of what are the indigenous ways or indigenous words for the ocean regardless, you know, and everybody has different ones and that's fine. But just taking another step of thinking about Oceania and Moana, maybe you could share a little bit about that. Yeah, and I think this is the tradition of, of Tava because we were bringing concept, indigenous concept and using the language. Uh, so, you know, thinking about words like, you know, time and space and thinking about what is, so what's the Tongan word. So, and when we were reading Ahawafa and his use of Oceania, we thought, you know, uh, we also have concepts that are, uh, you know, that we use such as Moana. And uh, some people have used Wahanoa, which is another form for thinking about that particular space. And I think by using the language, you open up other possibilities. You, you begin to see other philosophies that are um, embedded within that particular, particular language. And, you know, if you read any of Hufangha's uh, writing, you, you see, you know, the Tongans in it. Is, is, he used a lot of Tongan words within it, yeah. Um, I mean, anthropologists did this before, but I think... Uh, now that uh, I think Dava has come out and have sort of kind of used both languages and the, the two are sort of engaging with it, each other and also defining um, each other, you know, uh, all the concept in Dava, you know, from intersections, which we refer to as felalai, to, you know, form and content for, and all of them have a Tongan equivalent to it, right? Or it, it's kind of interesting because Oftentimes, when we were building the theory, it started out with actually the Tongan word, and then we were thinking of, okay, so maybe there might be an English word to sort of kind of think about this, this idea. Uh, or sometimes we would start with the English term and then go back to the Tongan, to the Tongan term. So, you know, just the, the two languages engaging with the other is sort of kind of an interesting way of, of thinking about that. But bringing the language into it, I, I think, is, is sort of been a, a, a very exciting way of thinking about the, the particular theory of, of Taba. And using Moana has opened up other possibility for us to, to think about you know, our identity and to, to think about that. And, and a lot of people have really kind of taken on and, and really like the use of, of terms such as uh, Moana. You know, the, the latest development in Taba is Hoa which is uh, everything comes in, in, in pairs. So uh, right now we're writing a paper on Hoa to, to think about how you know, things comes in pair, whether it's a pair or opposite or pair of similarities. And that's been sort of kind of interesting new development of, of Dava. And I'm pretty sure people soon will be thinking about that concept because Hoa is interesting because it ties into all the other theories such as binary, binary opposition, duality, dichotomy, and, and all of those other things that's been around in the West for, for quite some time. Yeah, no, really interested in that. I remember when you gave a presentation here in the, oh, it was maybe a year or so ago, and you brought that up. Yeah. And I think that, I think you used the word binary, and I think it, the response, yeah. because the way people think about binary is, is like the postmodern exactly. critique of binary. But I, yeah. I was hearing you use the word, but I felt like you were talking about, like you said, pairs. 
or, yeah. or um, kind of a, a duality rather than the dichotomy. And for me, I started thinking about like not just my own background, but other cosmologies across the American continent. So we have hero twins, right? So mm. a lot of our cosmology deals with pairs or uh, multiples. And so that's yeah, what, yeah. what I was thinking of. But no, I'm looking forward to that. That'll be interesting. Because there's a lot of that in like, I guess, the structuralist theory and exactly. uh, back in the day. But also Joseph Campbell talked about dualisms and and sometimes people talk about how those duality it's not really the, the pair but how that creates a, a third option right the 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 tension exactly. between a pair i don't know is there anything along those lines with hoa yeah it's kind of interesting because as we're thinking about hoa you know we were we, we were starting to think about some of the ideas that how hoa are, are mediated um how they're reconciled uh, especially the whole that are opposite. And then what I've noticed is there are opposite whole and then there are whole that are just uh, the same. They're, they're similar. So, you know, the ones that are opposite, you know, there's always sort of kind of like thinking of, you know, how, how do they mediate those two? How do they keep them in balance? And in, I guess in that way that you, you can say that there are some similarities there to maybe some of the structuralism with Levi Strauss's idea of a sort of mediating factor, right? You have, life and death and then you have reincarnation as sort of kind of mediating between the two to 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 to, to see that there's a connection into and i i am um, tongan's uh, uh philosophy and i think other philosophy seems to also sort of kind of have some some similarity in, in some of those ideas so there's some parallel it would be interesting to see how this all uh, all work out yeah and i i want to just pick up on like when i sometimes when when you're translating these things it it, it you know and if you use a word like binary then then it brings up all the the critique that are associated with it right and so over time in, in dava we'll, we'll begin to sort of like move away and finally get a new translation for it you know maybe uh pairs or twins or something like that that would actually fit better in trying to fully articulate the the, the theory yeah and that's part of of the sort of kind of a uh, how how a theory change and, and, and move and and sort of kind of exciting just to to, to see all of all, all of that yeah and I embrace all the critique and all the you know all the new new kinds of of, of uh, theory that are you know branching out from Dawa I think uh, all of that are are, are exciting to, to to see and I think uh, no that's great that's one of the things that. I just wanted to just ask, because for me, I consider it, you know, Tongan philosophy, um, but then also with what I was saying earlier and what you've been sharing, like, what is it that makes it Tongan? Because obviously not mm. all Tongans are going to agree and that's okay. But I feel like the yeah. language for me is what makes it Tongan, but then also thinking about Moana and Oceania and kind of this bigger thing where it's not just about, it might be centered in what we would call Tonga today, but um, is is rooted in something that was bigger before that and that can still be bigger now. But in Tonga as well, thinking about um, Nusili Vakauta's work, you know, who, where he's quite critical as to who gets to represent what it means to be Tongan and how that's mm. been historically the elites, which is arguably the same in most societies. I guess, how do you reconcile yeah. that when we talk about Tongan philosophy? Is this, in a sense, uh, where do you see it fitting within the different ideas of, I guess, the different Tongan ideas that have existed historically and even today that sometimes might be connected but at tension or at odds with, with other Tongan ideas. Does that make sense? Yes, yes. You know, I'm very open to all the multiple ideas that are out there that uh, represent Tongan philosophy because, you know, Tongan philosophy is complex. 
and Dava is just one element of that. Yeah. So, you know, there are other people who talk about Dalanoa or Dalanga or Kakala, um, you know, with uh, Konai Helu's work, or, or even going back to some of the earlier, uh, you know, Langi Kabaliku and his work on Ofa. So, you know, different Tongan scholars have been thinking about these issues or, or even, even just kind of going back to Kunsalote and her, her view of the, you know, the four Faikola, uh, uh, which she sort of kind of put together. So, you know, different times uh, uh, and, and space or different taadva where people have come up with ideas that were useful for those particular times to sort of articulate what it means to, to be Tongan. And I, I think that's, that's wonderful to see that there are all this sort of multiplicity of way of thinking about what it means to be Tongan and, and Tongan philosophy and, and so forth. And of course, it is rooted in sort of the larger Moana view of sort of the world from people coming from the ocean and engaging in the ocean, that all of that are, are there. And the view that I take now is that Dava is sort of just kind of the beginning. There will be many other sort of theory or theoretical school of thoughts that will emerge over the years. You know, I, I think Dava is sort of kind of uh, very prominent now because a lot of us have been working on this and, you know, Hufanga has been working on this for a long time and then many of his students have been writing their thesis you know, or people have taken elements of it and write their thesis like your, your, your thesis, uh, Daniel. And so that has sort of kind of give it uh, prominence in, in, in that way. But I'm, I'm sure that over time there will be other school of thoughts that would come, just like in the West where you, you know, you have many school of thoughts from, you know, from evolutionism to functionalism to structuralism to post-structuralism, post-modernism, you know, to historical particularism, Marxism, neo-Marxism. There are all of these theories that sort of borrow from each other, but also have emerged. And, and I think it makes it, it's kind of exciting because now, even in anthropology, many anthropologists are sort of kind of borrowing from all of these different theories from, from different groups. And it, it, I, I think that's very useful in, in trying to understand a very complex world. So it's a, it'll, it's a good sign when we begin to see those debates uh, and critiques yeah. because it means there's enough people <laughs> that are aware of it that we can begin to explore those tensions and, and maybe new things emerge out of it or different schools of thought like you mentioned. Maybe that's a good segue to maybe have you comment a little bit on how you've seen the Tava theory and Tavaism evolve. I remember you put like all the lists and I thought it was really interesting. <laughs> if you could expound a little bit on, uh, on that. So, so, yeah, so this is just my own sort of kind of thoughts on this. And I, I shared with uh, Hufanga and, and others. And um, I'm, I'm sure this is not the only way to, to think about it. So first, there's Tavaism. And I think these are the ones who are very pure Tava that uh, adheres to the tenets of the Tava, the ontological view of Tava, very realism, and then a sort of an epistemological view of Tava, and, and all the multiple tenets of Tava. They're very, very pure in that. And I, I think there's the, the, the purest one of all of us, of definitely, is Hufanga, right? The, the, the yeah. architect of the Tava. And, and I, I think I'm pretty close to it, too, uh, as far as sort of kind of, remaining in, in that camp of, of Tavaism. 
So I would say that that would be the sort of like kind of the, the first uh, group. And, and out of that group sort of kind of came a, a, a very anti-Dama group, yeah? So this is, you know, maybe this is more of a Hegelian dialectic that's happening here, right? The group who just reject everything Dama. They don't agree with the, with the language. Uh, they don't agree with any of the tenets. Um, they, they just think that the theory has no place in academia. It's no Tongan. And, and so I sort of kind of refer to them as kind of a, an anti-Dawa uh, group, yeah? But out of that, born sort of two groups that, that I've been thinking. Uh, one, one group is sort of more of a post-Dawa post group. And these are the, the group that sort of kind of um, sort of reject the more realism of Dawa and, and say, well, I like Dawa, but I like elements of Dawa, especially the elements that uh, the epistemology maybe, the, the, the more of the idea that, you know, there are maybe multiple ways of thinking about the world. It's not just one way of thinking about the world. And so that group has sort of kind of come out of it and, and they sort of kind of take an element of, 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 of Dawa or only certain aspects a lot that they really like, and then they they they, they use that, and I would I, I would refer to them as more of a, a post, and they're very also critical of the sort of kind of modernist realism of of Dawa, uh, and then and then the, the other group is the neo Dawa, and the neo Dawa group sort of kind of take Dawa and the concept of Dawa and actually fuse it with other theories. Yeah, so they would take elements of Dava and they say, hey, you know what? We like this idea of Dava, such as intersections, that all things in society intersect, that time and space intersect. And we want to like sort of take that and, and, and sort of fuse that with like critical race theory or other kinds of theory. And I think they sort of articulate very well. And I would call them the sort of the more neo-Dava. Uh, they still have some of the elements of Dava that they really like, but they have sort of... Um, fuse it with the other one. So the difference between the post-Dava and the neo-Dava is the post-Dava sort of only take one element of Dava and they stick to it. Uh, whereas neo is sort of kind of combining Dava with other theories and sort of kind of seeing how they, they all articulate. I don't know. Maybe there's no, not much of a difference between post and neo-Dava, but that's, that's just the way that I see it. And I think you, Daniel, I think you are a neo-Dava. Dawaism, <laughs> because you know, I was reading your, I was reading your thesis, and I and I saw the way that you take um, Dava, and I really, I really like the way that you take it, Dava, and, and and sort of fuse it, and 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 think about it, how you articulate with some of the other other theories out there, and I, I think that's that's great, you know, that shows that the theory is is still growing and moving, and you know. You know, we have Marxism and we have neo-Marxism today and we have some post-Marxism. And I think it's still sort of kind of great to see that the, the idea of Marx continue to be articulated and reformatted and used in many ways. And people critical of, you know, people who say, oh, I don't think, in, just take Marxism, for example. You know, I, I don't think that the economy is the basis of, you know, reality and materialism, but, but we like his sort of superstructure stuff and we like the way that he thinks about ideology and consciousness. So we'll take that part and we'll use that. And I, and I think Dava will probably be similar. I mean, we're, we're not near to the Marxism. I mean, you know, Marxism is, you know, one of the great ideas out there, but I'm just sort of using it as just like an example of how a theory developed and then move on to, to other ways that people may be thinking about the, the, the idea and the topic. Oh, nice. Yeah, and I was just curious because I saw it and I was like, I wonder where, where you put me in there. But 
yeah, I, th I think, uh, yeah, I, 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 I would agree. I think I'm more on the, the Neo. Yeah. Um, you, you're, you're either post or Neo. You're both, you're, you sort of kind of like, yeah, you know, in between in those between. two. Yeah, because I mean, I, I love all the uh, the indigenous knowledge and the language of Tavaism, but I do struggle with the realism because of, of modernity, right? So I'm very critical of modernity. I'm more in the postmodernist camp. And, yes. But then I also think that Tava, I would like to see it have a greater visibility outside of the, the, the Tongans who are using it because I feel like it has a lot to, like, like the Greeks, right? So when we talk about philosophy, you have to always talk about the Greeks, but I'm like, we should also always have to talk about the Tongans. And the mind, yeah, yeah. you know, and so, <laughs> exactly. and so that's one of the things that I've also tried to bring it into, one, to bring it into conversation with these other theories, but also so these other theories can come into conversation with uh, Tongan knowledge around thinking about time and space. Personally, so that's kind of, I guess, the, my personal politics, yeah, yeah. trying to bridge those. At some point, uh, we'll, we'll get into it more in depth, you know, in, in comparing, yeah, temple spatialities. But um, no, awesome. I think that's uh, really helpful. The, the last one I wanted to ask around, I mean, because there's so much on Tava that we could do, but the last one I wanted to ask before we kind of look, begin to apply it, is um, if you could talk a little bit about your work in particular around Tauhivaha or Tauhiva, because for me at least, that's, you know, I, I love Hufanga's work, but when I started reading Tauhiva, it helped me understand Hufanga's work better because it was kind of like a, it was an application that made sense to me um in regards to the the relationality of time and space mm. or how relationships are premised on, on they're both spatial and temporal relationships and so if you could maybe share a little bit about that yeah, yeah. how how tava you know speaks to tawhivaha or tawhivaha or helps us understand it and and vice versa yes so um you know i i first wrote about tawhiva you know before i came across the theory and um, partly because I, I was observing it in my research. I, I was doing uh, ethnographic research in Seattle with Tongans and Samoans and Hawaiian, and, and I noticed their way of, you know, uh, taking care of, of our relationship, Tauhiva. And so I started using the, the concept. But um, as I was using the concept, I was beginning to think, you know, may, maybe there's a sort of a, a deeper theoretical aspect to, to think about this. So what I came to uh, after thinking about it and, and, and many of my work is that I see Tauhiva Ta as just an expression of Tava uh, in the sense that Tauhi would be sort of the, the expression of, of, of Ta, a particular sustaining or maintaining of a rhythm within a, within a, a relationship or relationality of, 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 a, of a particular Va. So what I was doing in my work, and especially my work in Maui when I was doing research there, was to, to begin to see that here you have this very abstract um, theory, but in, in reality and in practicality, you, you can see it manifest. So, so for example, you know, Tauhiva has its own rhythm, and that particular rhythm is an expression of time. So in, in a way that the way that you move within a particular space or the way that you move or define uh, that space through through giving, uh, through gifting, through you know reciprocity, that's that's a particular form of, of ta, an expression of a particular rhythm in that action that maintains and it keeps uh, 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 that relationality going, and and and, all. and that that's something that you know people do within a, a real smaller micro level within their family, but also uh, within their village or even the global in a global sense. All of these are are happening now. 
the one thing that I really like that I got from Dala is the idea that um, oftentimes with, within Tongan way of arranging time and space is to create some sort of symmetry or harmony or, or beauty, which is expressed in our kupesi, right? That the, the way the kupesi are organized are organized in sort of very geometrical way. And, I, and um, what I saw is that through Tauhiba, the way that people take care of those relationships and, you know, through gifting or through, uh, you know, reciprocity, they're also creating that symmetry. They're also creating a particular kind of harmony through that exchange, that exchange that happened between people. Now, that's the ideal. Of course, that does not happen all the time. And there's always, you know, there, there's Valele and there's Vakovi or Vakamaki, but that that sort of kind of allowed me to, to see Tauhiba as a form of performance or art, an artistic expression of this, you know, caring for, 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 for the space between you and, and, and other people. And um, so, so that's, that's where my, my work sort of kind of started. And, and now I'm, I'm sort of very critical of my own work because I, I noticed that my work was very ethno, uh, anthropocentric. It was, it was only talking about law between people and, and it did not, I never addressed to the law between people and other relations and all their, all their relations, which I know you, Daniel, you, you, you speak a lot about this, you know, other relations, all, all your relations and how that's important, meaning, you know, your relations to, to animals, to, to marine life, to, to, you know, plants and, and so forth. You know, we also have a law to, to take care uh, and maintain with, with that. And, and so uh, that's sort of more where my kind of new work that I'm more moving towards, but it's still based on on on, on the idea of Tauhiba or Tauhiba. And um, yeah, so I, I think that might be just a little short explanation of that. Oh, nice. No, I, I appreciate that. Um, before we get into the, yeah, the those multiple relations within that, I just want to also ask, because uh, that was another thing. So one of the things that I ran into when I was using Tava and Tawhiba as well, just within academia was in talking about these relations, does this apply to all people in the same kind of way? Right. So again, uh, mm. thinking about uh, Nusili Vakauta's work again, because, you know, he's quite critical of the use of it in not, not of your work in particular, but of the four golden strings mm. saying that, you know, I mean, exactly. it might be misinterpreting, but you know, it seems like he's saying, like, how can these cultural values be used as propaganda to subjugate Tu'a or, or lower class or lower ranking Tongans? Um, exactly. So in the sense of Tauhiva in the past or Tauhiva Ha'a versus how it's being used today versus how uh, Tava allows us to rethink it maybe, um, but also remember it. I guess how uh, do you see that playing out in, in Tava as well? Like, I mean, because... I do when I read your work, but it's maybe not always um, uh, clear for everyone if, you know, if they're not as familiar with the work, you know, looking at Tauhiva, like, you know, like just, just people for a moment, like, is it all people in the same way? How does gender play into this? How does rank come into play? What are your thoughts on, on that? Well, you know, in my work, I was looking more at kin, kinship tie and that the, the Tauhiva happens within people who you're genealogically related and that there were specific kinds of patonia that was created that you had to, to take care. And so in that sense, definitely Tauhiva and Tauhiva is very limited only within that particular group, right? Anything outside that group, the Tauhiva seemed to not really have something to, to say about that. 
And that, that's, that's one aspect. The other, other aspect is just, just the limitation of Daoiba is that symmetry is not equality. <laughs> you know, uh, symmetry is, can be beautiful and harmonious, but there are still people who are at the center. There are people who are at the margin in order to create the, the symmetry. So in that particular sense, and I think this is why I use symmetry instead of equality or even equity, because uh, they, 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 they are not the same. And so there are some challenges and some limitation within that, which, which I think in my work, I begin to, to sort of advocate towards a, a sort of, we, we need a new tufunga fonua, a new person, a new reorganization of our fatongia to, to, to different people, you know, the people who may be tua or the commoners, or maybe people who are, are, are of other gender, uh, or people who may not be within sort of the sort of the traditional view of Tauhiva, yeah? You know, even going back anciently, the, the, the whole idea that you were to take care of your va with the otua, with like tikuleo and, and others, there's supposed to be an e- equality of uh, reciprocity between the two. But e- even then, there was still that hierarchy that was was going on in, in, in those particular viewpoints. So I would say that, yes, I, I, I think... Uh, the critique is a good critique in, in thinking about Tauhiva that it doesn't really deal with, with everyone. Because even when I was doing my work, you know, people would say, oh, yeah, people are all concerned about Tauhiva with their family. But then, you know, what about, you know, their va with their uh, landlord or, or the, 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 the bank, um, you know, to, to, to pay their, their mortgage? Or um, what, what about the, their, their va, you know, their, with, with their car loan? Uh, officer, you know that they have to pay their their car. So so they they take care of all their law with other people that they're related to, but then all these other laws are falling apart because the traditional Tauhiva did not really have something to say about those particular relations, right? Also, what excites me in, in thinking about uh, the possibilities of thinking about Tauhiva within Tava, right? Like, is that if, if, if we're being temporally mindful, spatially mindful, and we're marking out time and space, like, again, thinking about your book mm. and how we mark out indigeneity, there is, a, 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 in a sense, a way of harnessing manna or our potency when we align it with other rhythms, right? with other uh, Tava. Mm. And if, if, if there are these limitations in, in certain expressions of Tauhiva, whether historically or contemporarily, there is the possibility of remarking it out, right? Like uh, of resetting yes. the, the time-space paradigm. And maybe this is a good opportunity to begin to think about how Tava applies in Tauhiva and Tauhiva Ha'a as principles and ideas coming from Tongan philosophy to our current paradigm at the moment, like, you know, you've, re- you, you've commented extensively online about the, the, the Taba being out of rhythm or Vakovi, right? Disharmon- being in disharmony mm. with ecology versus, let's say, capitalism or colonial nationalism versus, you know, uh, communal practices. And so this, this current paradigm obviously is showing that we're out of rhythm with a lot of different relationships 
um, especially now that you know we're, we're having this conversation. One, because we're far away from each other, we're using online, but even if I was in Kahuku, or if you were here at Tamaki Makoto, we'd still have to be doing it online because of the physical distance yes. of, uh, of the, um, the current pandemic. And so what are your, I guess, initial thoughts on the application of Tava and Tawhiva on our current, uh, what does it tell us about our current reality? Yeah, I mean, one of the arguments that are made by uh, Tavaism is that the, 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 the rhythm uh, of, of the Fonua is actually the, the most important rhythm uh, of the ecology of, of, of Mother Earth. That's the rhythm that we need to sort of synchronize our, our world with. And I, I think what's happening today is we are out of sync. Yeah, our, our, our world, our rhythm that comes out of capitalism is creating a particular rhythm that is way out of sync with nature. And we, it just thinking about spatially, we have like encroach into that, to that particular, uh, to, to those particular spaces, you know, through mining, through logging, through development, where we have now encroached into the, to the va, to the vahe, uh, vahenga, of, you know, of our other relations, you know, that are so-called wildlife. Yeah. I agree with you, you know, it's very problematic, this idea of wild, of the wild or the wilderness or the wildlife. Um, but, you know, that, that particular sort of encroaching into that, you know, bringing our capitalist tava into it, uh, our rhythm of, you know, everything needs to be speed and fast and let's get to it, you know, make quick profit and so forth. It is is creating the, the the current problem that we're now uh, experiencing today, and and for me, the the only way that we can uh, reconcile this is that we we need to find a, a new rhythm. We need to recalibrate uh, uh, or remark our our societal tava to be in synchrony with 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 the fanua tava, and that would be the the way to to go about uh, you know doing what we're we're doing today um so if we don't uh we're going to continue to to experience uh what we're experiencing today with the global pandemic there will be other viruses there will be other uh, problems you know from climate change to to many other uh issues with that note i'm going to read some of the quotes that you've been putting on your facebook and then <laughs> sure. maybe have you expound on them as well i mean yeah. there's a lot of different ones but again thinking about how we can mark uh i guess one, there's the critique, and I'm going to, what you've given, which is really important, and I'll give some of these quotes of the ecological connections to the pandemic that are global, and then mm -hmm. maybe if in response, whatever you want to respond, of course, but if, if you had some ideas of how uh, people can begin to think about, I guess, practical things that we can do, um, yeah, yeah. remark out time. So uh, the first quote is from Damien Carrington on The Guardian that you posted up, which was, um, quote, our continued erosion of wild spaces has brought us uncomfortably close to animals and plants that harbor diseases that can jump to humans, close quote. And then the other one is by Dr. Anthony Fauci, um, quote, the virus itself determines the time for how long we will need to self-isolate, close quote. Uh, the next one is Nick Walsh and Vasco Cotovio on CNN, quote, the coronavirus is perhaps humanity's first clear indisputable sign that environmental damage can kill humans fast too, and it can also happen again for the same reasons. Close quote. The other one is a Scientific American, John Vital. Quote, we cut the trees, we kill the animals or cage them and send them to market. 
we disrupt ecosystems and we shake viruses loose from the natural hosts. When that happens, they need a new host. Often we are it, close quote. Uh, and then the, uh, two more ones from Jane Goodall on CNN, quote, all over the world, we have been destroying the places where animals live. And as a result, we brought the climate crisis on ourselves. Many species of animals and plants have become extinct and our too close relationship with animals and market or when we use them for entertainment has unleashed the terror and misery of new viruses, uh, close quote. And the other one, I'm not gonna read fully. I'm just gonna reference this is Laura Spinney and she wrote an article on it takes a whole world to create a virus, not just China. And then she mm -hmm. also wrote an article that uh, was, was talking about the link of, uh, of, of the way meat is produced, specifically factory farming. And, yeah. and how that, you know, the, the, the food sources that are being blamed as the origin in China right now, for example, aren't necessarily new. But what is new that in the 90s, she talks about how in the 90s, uh, there's some anthropologists who did work and talk, saw how factory farming, which was not something that they did, you know, jumped over there and how people got pushed to the margins. And what was used as subsistence became a mainstream commodity. So how that whole food system changed, which we've been dealing with in the U.S. and, and, and here in Aotearoa as well. Like we have, you know, huge dairy, um, you know, which on one hand, I love the ice cream here and New Zealand has amazing beef products, but it's hugely um, contaminating, you know, um, shellfish, you know, with the runoff from the cows and there's all kinds of stuff. So, the, yeah, what are your thoughts, immediate response and what are some practical things that you think Tava offers us to think about how we can remark out our current space-time paradigm? Yeah. So my new work now, as I move from Tauhiva to Tauhifonua, uh, Tauhifonua is the idea of, of sort of caring and taking care of the Fonua. And I like the idea of Fonua because Fonua is something that many of us are engaging with. Uh, in your work of, of, of Kava, Fai Kava, you know, you talk a lot about Fonua, and, and so many of us are already engaging with the Fonua. And one of the things that I think would be very practical and easy for us to sort of think about is like, if we go back to our uh, cosmogony, our creation story, we, we begin to see elements of the Fonua as relatives, as, as, as kin. And I think by, by seeing them through that, it shifts our ideas away from seeing them as commodities, as objects. To be to be commodified, to be used for 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 our own consumption, and by beginning to see them as as fonua, as part of our relatives, as part of our, you know, who we are, I think that will 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 help us um, shift from that idea of industrializing them, because you know, from from industrial food production to industrial farming, the particular kinds of of time space that are associated with take for example the idea of speed the idea of just getting as fast as you can to um, get that that particular food mature so that you can eat it 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 i think that's that's seeing it more as a commodity seeing it more as an object than seeing it as a, as a relative and i think the idea of seeing them as a relative from a fonua perspective i think is useful and here's where i think your work on Faikava is where there, there needs to be sort of an expansion out of that to say, hey, if we're here drinking the Fonua and we brought this Fonua all the way from Tonga as our portable Fonua, then we, we need to begin to think about, okay, then, you know, 
with all the sort of the sacredness and everything that comes with thinking about that, whether the Fonua and the Kava or the Kavala, we also have certain kinds of responsibility to stand up as Tongan, to say, no, we cannot treat these things as just another um, object. Um, continue to objectify them and commoditize them in, in, in those particular ways. And um, I, I think this is where I sort of kind of beginning to, to take Dava and, and looking at from Tawiva and Tawifonua as sort of the new way of, of re-articulating it to, to help us see the world, whether you're in Tonga or in the diaspora, um, to say that, hey, we have a fatomia. This is our new fatomia to the fonua. We're all part of the fonua. And our fatomia, our responsibility is to uh, say no to these things, uh, whether in our food choices or even you know, um, challenging uh, legislations that continue to, 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 to see the earth as an object, as a commodity, um, you know, as this particular space to be exploited. And, and I think that shift is probably going to happen. It is coming, but I, uh, that's, the, that's the way that I'm beginning to sort of think about this, 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 uh, this particular viewpoint. You know, it makes me think a lot of, um, you know, as problematic as anthropology is, and historically, one of the things that I do like about it is um, the, the culture concept, right? The concept of mm. culture. And it's thrown around so much today that we have to ground it in something because there's everything from indigenous culture to corporate culture to what consumer yes, culture, right? And the, the concept obviously is powerful because it's being used all across. Um, and I think when, you know, when we talk about a, a change of a paradigm shift, it's really a cultural shift as well, right? In that what we're eating, how we're eating is, is part of our culture as a society. And, and like you were mentioning, returning to uh, the memory. I mean, we can't physically go back to the past, but the past is present in that we're still in the same place that uh, all the ancestors of all the different cultures around the world were at because we share this planet. Um, and, and I think about that. I feel like culture is one of the most powerful things because even here, you know, we, we have this, uh, we're currently on, uh, you know, supermarkets are open, but fast food is not open. And I, you know, it made me think how dependent I had become because it's become part of my culture, like especially when it comes to yeah. the convenience of time and how a complete culture shift needs to happen for us to be able to do these things. And I've been thinking a lot about mana and tapu. That's one of my, you know, really fascinated in that and the way it relates to tava and as well. Uh, and I think about that, you know, like in the past there was tapu around certain foods and certain places mm. um, to keep to protect those yes. things. And I'm wondering, you know, Tapu didn't go anywhere. It just shifted to more, more so within Christianity. And I'm wondering if we can expand from that or shift again to, to be, how do we protect the ecology? And like you said, with Kava, like I keep telling folks as well, like they're having to harvest Kava sooner and sooner. And so these, you know, the longer it's allowed to stay in the ground, the, the more roots you're going to get from it. But because of the pressures of, of commodity drinking, and drinking it in like a commodity, like uh, the way coffee and tea are consumed in capitalist society, it's about getting them to keep producing. And I feel like kava is being used as the antidote to coffee and tea in getting people to cope with capitalist labor, but really they haven't addressed yeah. the society. They haven't addressed the culture, which is gonna impact access to kava very soon. You know, we've already had fluctuations mm -hmm. in prices, 
but not just Kava, but even other Koloa like Natu and Fala. Yeah. How are these things still going to be accessible if we don't have this culture shift to thinking about, I guess, yeah, what are your thoughts on that? Like, how do we re or like uh, using concepts like Tapu um, and, and like you said, ta and Tauhi Funua to, um, to remember how to relate or to make new relationships and to remember old relationships for, for the sake of everybody, right? Um, moving yeah, forward. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and you know, the, the concept of Tapu and, and Mana, um, you know, and I know you, you've written about these uh, issues too in, in, your, um, in your thesis, but the, you know, the Fonua also is seen as something that is, that is tapu because of its, of its power, of its uh, potency. And you know, different elements were tapu at a certain time because of you know, conservation. And I think all those concepts need to, to come back for us in, in the way that, uh, that we see the, the, you know, the fonua, the ecology. You know, the other aspect of it is that you know, in Dava theory, you know, all things intersect. Um, this idea that everything that we do is in, in, intersect with with one another. You know, this is where <clears throat> the the idea of intersection the intersection comes from from la lava, uh, which is you know felavai that all things are are la lava together, you know, or lashed together, and 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 so you know the this this sort of kind of idea will really help us think about you know the choices that I make on going to the fast food is also going to impact the the fanua and the impact many many other kinds of of, of of things in life but i know that this is sort of speaking that sometimes this is very privileged right because people will say well you know that's nice but not everybody can afford to to just you know uh live this sort of organic eating only organic food and 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 things like that but that I think it requires that there should be small changes within the within the local level, and then and then move from there. But I, I think Faikava is a is a good space because there you see the Fonua as still very tapu, and and there is a lot of mana around that. And then that concept can also begin to sort of expand out. And I like the idea of like you know been been living within um, Christianity all these years. But um, I think there's also a sort of a new movement that's happening now where uh, a lot of indigenous people are bringing their indigenous spirituality into Christianity so that it uh, begin to shift and, and, and focus on the ecology and, and the fonua, which is something that is there in Christianity, but not fully and highlighted, articulated. But I think indigenous uh, spirituality is sort of kind of bringing us and, and allowing us to see those, those kind of connections. Yeah, the, the thing that came to mind with, with what you're saying there too is like at the beginning, we talked about reclaiming authorship of yeah. knowledge like within academia. And what, I, what you got me thinking now is um, how as a society, you know, especially those who, those who have privilege that, that can do so at different levels and those who don't to also do it within their places is to reclaim our time, right? Because I keep mm. thinking, you know, whether it's the the, you know, the time to Talanoa and talk story and, and, and work through knowledge production and transmission, or whether it's time to uh, produce our own food or to produce food differently, or time in that we're not being, you know, constantly made to produce in ways that people have to then escape, whether it's a kava or whether it's people who drink coffee or caffeine to get through the day, mm -hmm. or, or whether it's those who drink alcohol too. I mean, you think about 
you know, industrialization in Europe and the role of the pub um, in, in those early factories again. Yeah, yeah. So all these different things that have to do with our society are linked to that. So I'm wondering, yeah, like what you got me thinking is how, you know, not only reclaim authorship of knowledge, but now also reclaiming time so that we don't have uh, to prevent these types of, of the, the scale of the calamity. Because we're going to deal with stuff no matter what, but um, the scale that we're dealing with now, and maybe it's more manageable and more sustainable if we can begin to reconnect and remember uh, these ancient knowledges that are absolutely relevant today. Yeah. But, you know, the reclaiming of time uh, is, is also a reclaiming of space, yeah? Uh, both as a, when, when you're reclaiming your time is you're reclaiming the way that you that that particular rhythm and the way that you move within that particular space and that also is a reclaim of of, of particular spaces um, which is which is what we are we're beginning to see with a lot of indigenous people protecting what they consider to be tapu or sacred right uh, but they're the way that they go about protecting them that's the the, the rhythm the actions that they're doing to, to show that they are actually reclaiming both the space and the particular time um, in, in that way. And, and just coming back to the idea of producing and production, you know, that's sort of like many of us are, are labors, you know, that's all we have, you know, just to kind of take it from a Marxist idea, that that's all we have is our labor. And so we, we spend a lot of time just going to work and doing all of these things and, and it's not always good to our health, but it's not good to our relationship with our family and things like that. And so we have to, to think of a way to carve out time or, or create new rhythm that would be more healthy for us, but also for, for, our, for, our, for our environment. Uh, you know, Kaba does that in, in the way that it slows down time, allows people to talanoa and to, to do that because you know they're they're creating that particular space within the fast moving acceleration of capitalism but but I think that those kinds of 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 reclaiming of, of space and time is something that you can also begin to see how you can reclaim that in in other area outside also of of, of Faikaba. You, I, I agree completely. That's uh, what appeals to me with the Vaikaba and and not just Vaikaba but other traditions that that um, slow time down. And I find yeah, yeah. It, a common thing amongst many different types of indigenous rituals and temporality, uh, well, yeah, collapsing both time and space within, within ritual, which is why I find them to be so healing, um, particularly mm. in the current paradigm that we're in. Um, but if we don't change that paradigm, we're gonna have to do it much more often <laughs> than, yes. than maybe would be in a balanced way. But maybe to, to, to kind of close it up, I'm wondering, if you mind sharing, because I know you've done a lot of, I think you're a great example of collaborating and reclaiming both time and space in local settings with your work with Kanaka Oivi um, there mm -hmm. in Hawaii and a, a, hopefully an increasing global uh, movement, I would hope, in kind of thinking about, uh, you know, working in our local context and the local indigenous struggle, which is absolutely related to our own one. And I think, I, I don't know, for me, I feel like sometimes people get caught up with, with understandable reasons in fighting for scraps. And we forget that if we ground our struggle, at least for me, my opinion is if we ground our struggle in the local struggle, the oldest local struggle, which would be different in different places, but grounded in indigenous peoples. And in the case of the US, the continent of US also stolen indigenous peoples with African-Americans. Um, if we ground it in those, I guess, original colonial violences um, or racial violence and gendered violence, then maybe that helps. And I'm wondering what your thoughts are on that and your experience with Kapu Aloha 
or, or Tapu Ofa as to kind of close up some, I guess, um, some possibilities of how it's already happening now. That, that, but if we extend these moments, um, they can help to transform our world, hopefully, sooner yeah. than later. <laughs> exactly. Well, one of the things that, you know, just coming from a settler colonial uh, theory and the, the sort of critique of settler colonialism, I, I, I did what I wanted when I came to Hawaii, I did not want to replicate that. I didn't want to just be another settlers uh, continuing, uh, you know, taking advantage of the local here. So one of my way of, of moving out of that is to sort of um, connect with the, with, the, with the local indigenous group and also find genealogical ties. You know, um, it's, it's pretty easy to, to, to create those genealogical ties here in Hawaii because of our common ancestors so like uh, Tangaloa and Hina and Maui. And so it was easy to see that there, you know, here we have, I have uh, responsibility and fatonia to them because they are also my, 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 my relatives. Yeah. But I, I also sort of kind of, uh, in a way of kind of keeping the indigenous view wherever you're at. And, uh, you know, one of your podcasts, you talked about the different categories of, of indigeneity from global indigenous to like regional to and to the elder indigenous yeah the group that are there and I, I think that's that's very useful for us to to still use those particular viewpoint uh, to remember that no matter where we're at you know we're, we're still indigenous maybe we may not be indigenous to that particular area but you know we we are part of the sort of the global indigenous movement or the regional indigenous movement in, in bringing those particular views. So here, my work here in the, with the Kanaka Oivi have been very uh, supportive, um, you know, of their movement to reclaim, um, you know, uh, land, uh, both space and time, uh, whether it's Mauna Kea or here in Kahuku with, uh, you know, reclaiming land that's been taken taken over by industrial, in the, in the you know, industrial wind turbines. Both places are, are, are connected to sort of you know that there's neo-colonialism by in industry corporate industry whether they're uh you know wind turbines here in kahuku or industrial astronomy in mauna kea that particular tava that particular rhythm of the corporation of industry um you know that's something to 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 resist you know and, and that's what we're also seeing today with you know uh, industrial farming or industrial production of food you know the, this this particular form of time and space, tava, rhythm it is creating a lot of problem. And, and so for, for me, uh, standing together with the, with the local group and supporting them is, is something that I see is, what is in line with the tava theory, but also in line with, with just being a, an indigenous person, uh, you know, living up, you know, in the diaspora. I really appreciate you sharing your knowledge and time and your generosity with that. And I'm sure it'll be super interesting and, and helpful for a lot of the people who will, well, for those who do listen, <laughs> who are willing to give it a go. And thank you for all the work that you do. And, uh, you know, you're, you're like the, the new Maui who takes the fire and uh, share it widely with everyone. Uh, you know, knowledge is the new, is the fire today. Instead of just keeping that knowledge within the uh, elite institution, you are sharing it. So uh, you are, in, in that sense, following the, the tradition of, of Maui. So, Malo Apito, Ofalahiatu.